I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Very happy to be with you. It's a beautiful day here. My kid does have strep throat, so that's a thing. But we're dealing with it. We've got antibiotics. It's going to be fine. Everything will be great. In fact, this show will be great because we're going to talk to Tom Marshall, our old friend, at Mexico World Cup on Twitter. You need to be following him if you're not, because this is a time of year when not only do you have Liga MX well underway, lots of interesting storylines happening down in Mexico, but the Mexico national team is looking for a new head coach. And remember, we are, what, uh, seven weeks out from the, well, just about two months out from the, uh, from the Confederations Cup playoff between the United States and Mexico at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, in front of what is sure to be a raucous crowd of something like 95,000 people. So Mexico's on on that track. We'll talk to Tom about that story and more. The former, We'll also talk about the former MLS Sueño winner who's making some noise in Mexico. Well, that'll come up, I'm sure. In the meantime, and by the way, you can always hit us up on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. You have questions, comments, concerns. Follow me at DavisJSN. We can hit the news here on a Wednesday. Lots to talk about. On the wire, so to speak. First up, Barcelona wins the European Super Cup 5-4 to four over Sevilla in Tbilisi, Georgia. Lionel Messi with two stunning free-kick goals. Nearly had a third. We'll get to that in a second. Sevilla actually came back from a deficit of 4-1 to one to equalize that game, to level that game. It went to extra time, and in extra time, Pedro... Yes, that Pedro, the one that's probably not going to be a Barcelona player for very much longer, scores on a rebound off of a messy free kick to give Barcelona the 5-4 lead, which they held on to, uh, to get the win in this Super Cup, starting off the season pretty well for the Spanish Giants. Again, Pedro, a target of Manchester United, likely going to be leaving Barcelona. He says that he did not ask to leave Barcelona, that he's not, he's not, uh, uh, interested uh, in leaving except for the fact that he doesn't have the playing time he needs and that's why he's going to move. This is a very practical approach to transfer rumors from Pedro. It's uh, it's an interesting development. 
As I mentioned before, uh, we'll talk to Tom Marshall about this. Reports have Mexico targeting Chile, Chile manager Jorge Sampioli. He recently led his, uh, led, led Chile to the Copa America title this summer. The Argentine is the latest in a line of candidates for the job. Remember, uh, Marcelo Bielsa's name has also been linked to Mexico. We'll ask Tom whether or not there's any fire where that smoke happens to be. Stoke City has completed the signing of Swiss midfielder Jordan Shakiri from Inter Milan for a club record 12 million pounds. If you ever wanted a sign of just how rich the English game is right now at the top level, I think this is it. Stoke City signing Jordan Shakiri for 12 million pounds. Uh, we'll see how the winger does on a cold night in Stoke. Video of Costa Rica head coach Paulo Wanchope fighting in the stands with uh, somebody. Uh, looks to be there's a push on a ball boy and then a, a bunch of punches being thrown at Wanchope from somebody else. This was at a Costa Rica U23 Olympic qualifying match against Panama last night. The game actually ended in a 0-0 draw if you're interested in that element. Don't know what the fallout will be for Wanchope. It did not look like it's hard to tell if he was the instigator exactly. He was certainly wailed upon by some shorter individual. And come on, Wenchope, use your reach, man. The 39-year-old uh, former striker is under a bit of pressure with Costa Rica. Not the best performance at the Gold Cup. And obviously he follows up Jorge Luis Pinto, who had great success with the Ticos at the World Cup in 2014. The English FA in their never-ending quest to uh, put out as much positive PR as possible, has announced it plans to spend £260 million on grassroots football over the next four years. This includes 30, quote-unquote, city hubs, which uh, which involve fields and, uh, and various technological advancements for the improvement of soccer at that level. It's part of their national game strategy for participation, for participation and development, which is quite the mouthful. This is only about a 60 million pound increase over their previous four year period. So despite the fact they're making a big deal about this, it's not overwhelmingly different than what they spent, uh, from 2010 to 2014. Finally, West Ham striker Diafasako arrested on suspension, suspicion of assault. He's being held, uh, in, um, uh, in London. There was a call. The police responded. He was arrested on Thursday. And then he played uh, against Arsenal on the weekend, I believe. Trying to exactly get my story right here. 25-year-old was arrested on Thursday, August 6th. Maybe he did not play. I, I read this story wrong. Uh, three days before West Ham beat Arsenal, he was arrested. He was held on suspicion of attacking a girlfriend in East London. So trouble for West Ham on that front. And this uh, comes on the heels of the fact that they're not signing Joey Barton, apparently. That was going to be a thing. Uh, maybe that's not, maybe that's a good thing not to sign Joey Barton, especially when you've got a player who's in trouble for some assault type stuff. Okay. That's a good place to take a break. When we come back, we will grab our friend Tom Marshall, Mexico World Cup, ESPN FC and many other outlets. We'll talk to him about Mexico. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Sunday, I'll be calling the Philadelphia Union against Chicago Fire game on Rabble.tv. 
I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comment sections. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Philadelphia against Chicago on Rabble.tv. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League. With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting eleven and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Zlatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers, with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, back on Soccer Morning. Happy to have good friend of the show, Tom Marshall, multimedia superstar at Mexico World Cup on Twitter. Find him at ESPN FC covering Mexican soccer. Tom, how are you? Good, thanks, Jason. Yeah, all good. Uh, midway through the round four of matches in the Liga MX, so uh, Mexico coach situation, obviously fluid and ongoing, so plenty to Keeping me busy at the minute. Absolutely. No, well, it's, come on, it never calms down for Tom Marshall in Mexico. There's always something <laughs> happening. It's what, why Mexico is so much fun and why I like talking about Mexico so much. Let's start with uh, the, the head coaching search for L3. Obviously, we don't need to review what happened to Miguel Herrera. Uh, there were some, uh, there's some, some echoes of more controversy involving his, his politics. I, I don't think that's even worth a discussion. What we care about is how Mexico is going to, to where Mexico is going to find their next coach two months ahead of that Confederations Cup playoff against the United States. Um, the name Marcelo Bielsa has been bandied about. Uh, he was there were reports that he had actually asked for some information on Mexico, the program, the players. That was before he decided to up and quit at Marseille. Then he quits at Marseille, Tom, and and to me that was like okay, let's connect some dots. Or Bielsa is going to be the next Mexico head coach, but that's not necessarily the case. No, I think um, I think Biel. I mean, Bielsa is a local. He's crazy, um, and I don't think it's easy to to predict what he's going to do and and to kind of relate act- his actions with 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 something else. So, yeah, I think that Bielsa is the dream. It's the the Mexican dream, if you like. It's uh, it's the coach that I think the federation won. I think they've talked to him before, um, and I think that. When when he arrived back in Argentina, he actually told reporters that no, he's not. You know, he's, the the Mexican job isn't something that interests him right now. 
Um, so everybody's taken that in Mexico is kind of like a definitive Bielsa's not available. But I don't know. I, I think it's slightly more open than that. I think that, you know, Bielsa, Bielsa likes to be wooed. And I think that if the, the Mexican Federation really, really want him, they've got to go down now to Argentina, like the, the boss, Deseo de Maria, the president, and really say that you, you are the person we want. Please come and do it. We'll give you all these freedoms. And, um, and yeah, but, you know, it's, it's a long shot, but Bielsa is still the, the, the number one, the, the big dream. He's also the kind of guy, I mean, I just talked to, uh, to Andrew Gibney, uh, who covers French football yesterday, um, about Bielsa leaving Marseille. He's the kind of guy who changes his mind in about three seconds. I mean, he can be, be very uh, solid. Uh, well, okay, that's relative, but he can certainly say, I'm here. I'm doing this job. Uh, you know, I'm involved. It, it, it's, it's, you know, he quit after the first game of the year. If he was going to quit, you would imagine he would have done that before the season started. So just because he says, I'm not interested in Mexico today doesn't mean that a local might not be interested in Mexico tomorrow. Yeah. No, I think that, um, you know, I think Bielsa is, is left his last three jobs now. I mean, I think the worrying thing for Mexico, I think on the field, they'd be brilliant. I think he really fits like the Mexican, uh, the way Mexico like to play them, the technical ability of Mexican players, and and I think he'd really fit well, and, and he'd bring a new kind of uh, mentality to to the national team as well. But I think that the last three jobs now he's left due to problems with directors. I mean, he likes to have things exactly the way he wants them. I mean, he, his demands are incredible that when he, when he goes into a job with the things that he asks for. So yeah, so with Bilbao, um, Chile. And uh, and now Marseille, the the last three jobs he's left because of because of directors. Then you put that in the me- Mexican context, and the you know the, all the problems that, that the Mexican national team has with you know not just the federation, but then the eighteen Liga MX clubs have a say in things, and then you know the television stations, the Azteca and Televisa. You know, there's everybody talks about the influence they have. Mm-hmm. So it's, you've got so many people, you know influencing who is the coach and and when the when somebody is a coach what decisions they should make that you'd worry that Bielsa with the Mexican national team wouldn't last very long uh, absolutely I mean it just, it just see, it seems like a combustible situation for everything that might work on the field and Bielsa's philosophies and how that fits what Mexico has talent wise Tom there's definitely a chance it could become a uh, a, a bad situation in the end and, and have ramifications down the line now you could also argue that happened with Miguel Herrera, uh, but what we'll, we'll remains to be seen. Now, there's another target. This is one I've seen this morning for the first time. Maybe you can talk about this one. This one certainly seems more attainable for Mexico at the moment, and that's Jorge Sampioli. Yeah, he's, um, I mean, there's been a few reports yesterday in Mexico that, that um, he's had talks with uh, Guillermo Cantu, who is supposedly representing the Mexican Federation, even though he hasn't got an official job yet. Which for me is slightly weird, but um, that's the way it is. So, so he's got a buyout clause um, he, to buy out his contract, and uh, you know, there's been reports that it's anywhere from three million dollars up to fifteen million dollars, which is uh, quite a, a big uh, difference, big range. Wow. So, but yeah, I mean, San Paulo gave an interview a couple of weeks ago to a Chilean journalist, and he said the question was, you know, do you see yourself being on the bench at Russia 2018 for Chile? And he said, you know, I need to, I need to, I need to question whether I've got the energy, whether I can bring something new to this team, whether I can take it forward. So he did kind of leave it open. And he also said that he would be attracted by a similar project to the one he had in Chile in terms of, 
you know, developing the team, taking it to the next level. So it did seem to fit in with Mexico. I think it'd be great um, on the field. I mean, you know, I think that his system is actually quite similar to that of Miguel Herrera. And when they, the two have played, actually, in the Copa America and back in, uh, I think it was September 2014, in Santa Clara, and you know, three centre-backs, high-pressing game, very aggressive, vertical style, um, attacking. So I think I think they wouldn't be... I think it would be a nice kind of smooth transition from uh, Herrera to Sampaoli if, if that came about. But at the same time, if you look at Sampaoli and where the, where the Chilean national team are now, and you look at, you know, the World Cup three, down, three years down the line, and you think that Chile, if they keep going like they're doing, would have a decent chance of, uh, you know, reaching a semi or even a final. And then from there, obviously... You know, maybe doing something incredible and, and winning the thing. I think they've got a decent chance if you look at the the state of other teams as well. So it, it would take some enticing, of course. Now, um, if there, I don't know if you've heard anything else, Tom, concrete, or if you just have a, in mind a couple of candidates. Um, we, we've clearly talked about the the Mexicans who who would be uh, in line for this job, and, and more than more often than not, it seems to be that these are are guys who've already been through the job. And we talked about. Um, some of the mistakes made by by the Mexican FA when it comes to running through some of these coaches is is there a is there a Mexican head coach a uh, manager who's um who's got the profile that that would still be in line possibly to be on that same list it's it's not uh the list's a strange list that they, I, I think the best way of describing it i think that the outstanding candidate is still Victor Manuel Busitich who, who ran got, through <laughs> who got kicked out after after two weeks, and actually, he he was he spoke on Monday, and he came out with some really interesting um, quotes. He said, "You know, the national team." He, he said, uh, "The national team job should be a source of pride," um, and and inferred it's not at the minute. It's um, he said he said that it's. Uh, wait, let me just uh, yeah. He said, "Right now, many people don't want to coach the national team." Um, and that's that's talking about domestic culture. He said mm. it's obvious that interests supersede the sporting situation. Um, the federation that makes the federation take rushed and, and not well thought out decisions. I mean, he came out and really criticised it the other day. And I think if you're a manager, domestic or foreign, reading Vucetic, who's a serious guy who doesn't come out and just criticise and make headlines for nothing, I think you'd you'd, you'd consider it very seriously. I think it's a problem that Mexico has that. Uh, Right now, I think the domestic candidates, not too many, would will will be that interested. Yeah. Um, I know that sounds. I mean, obviously, there, there will be people interested, no doubt about it. But I think that it's a, a bit of a toxic position. I mean, the, the average since 1999 is 14 is 13 months sorry, in charge. That's the average time. Um, and then you look at previous Mexico manager, what they've gone on to achieve in the career. And to be honest. Not much. No. I mean, Aguirre is probably the only one who's gone on to do something, you know, good. I mean, you look at Lavolpi and how well he did in 2006. He was desperate to do something in Europe. No offers. I mean, you could speak to a Lavolpi. He had no offers. Um, and you look at where, where, where managers go on from the Mexico job and it's not up. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's rarely, it's very rarely up. It's, it, it's a fascinating sort of dynamic because it, it, it very much parallels some of what's, what's happened with, um, Mexican players only maybe in a different way where there has been questions. I mean, certainly the money spent on Mexican players has kept a lot of them there rather than going overseas. And then there's a, you know, there's a group of, of Mexicans doing things in Europe, um, that certainly spreading the word about those players. But it, it seems that, that that growth has been very slow in relation to the amount of talent that's in the country, Tom. 
when it comes to the the managerial situation and these coaches and th- there have been a few who have made that leap but very often it seems that they're sort of stuck in that that domestic cycle that they're they're just bouncing around from club to club to club what what accounts for that in the end is it is it a is it an issue of how the rest of the world views mexican coaches or is it a matter of the mexican coaches themselves yeah, it's, a, it's a definitely it's a, it's a good question. It's um, Pavel Pardo actually came out the other day and he said, you know, Mexican players and Mexican football in general is always one step away. It's almost there. It's almost, almost there. But it never makes that step. So in the Libertadores, in the World Cup, it's not the fifth game. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think Mexican football operates a lot of the time in a bit of a bubble. Um, and I think traditionally, I think that in the States, everybody has this idea that that Mexican football has been been around for you know over a century and it's been developing and the United States is this new thing. Whereas you know I, I'd make the argument that Mexican football really got going in in 1970 with the World Cup when they really got the professional league together and um, and and so I, I'd, I'd argue that it's it's relatively new as well. The idea that you know Mexican football is a professional entity and I think that yeah the the it's very. I think the mentality of the players and the managers isn't that of Argentina or, or Brazil, which is, you know, get out there, get to Europe, do massive things, play in Champions League. And, you know, the best person is Pedro Caixinha, the Santos Laguna coach. That's what he said. He said the mentality of the player isn't what it should be. The, he, he, he wants the players to, to want more from the careers. But at the end of the day, you see, you see players here in Chivas, um, the, my local club here, and you know they're, they're 20 years old. They're playing first team football and they're driving around sports cars. And I mean, it's like you can imagine in their head, you know, there's that there's that one percent of of you know absolutely wanting to make it. And when they're 20 years old and they've already got a sports car and you know swanning around town, everybody knows them. You can imagine that it's it's difficult to to get that last drop of um, you know desire out of them. It's a, but it's a, it's a difficult one, and, and I think the coaching one's very interesting because you, you look at someone like Vucetic and you're like, why did it? Why has he never gone to Europe? He's achieved absolutely everything in the Mexican game, um, and yeah, I think it, I think it hampers the Mexican team. There's only Aguirre really who's ever as a Mexican coach gone to Europe and done anything. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Let's uh, let's talk about the league. Let's move on because uh, we're already pretty deep into the apertura, Tom. This is not uh, this is not the Premier League that just got started. It's not Spain, which is yet to get underway. This is a, a league that's already uh, into the fourth round of of matches. Um, you mentioned Chivas. I suppose that's a good uh, as good a place to start as any. Your local, uh, the club that's local to you there, and a club that is once again having to deal with some of those issues of the the relegation specter. No, definitely. Actually, it's it's quite interesting because I think it's had less press this time round. But I think the relegation situation for Chivas now is worse than it was 12, 12 months ago. Um, I think the, the squad's significantly weaker. I think they've got rid of quite a few players in the summer and they're relying on a few youngsters again now. So you've got that. Um, you've got Morelia, who's, a, who's one, of the, one of the teams they're going to be battling against who are top of the league now. So they look to be... You know, they look to be, they look good and they look like they're going to pick up a lot of points. Uh, actually, Chivas and Morelia play tonight, so well worth watching from the relegation standpoint. And then Puebla are still down there. Uh, Pumas might be sucked into it. Um, and, and yeah, Chivas, they've got another really big season ahead. I mean, it's very possible that they could go down. 
I mean, it is it isn't looking good for them. I think that they made mistakes in the summer. I think the squad's significantly weaker than it was. I mean, they picked up a point on Sunday against uh, Tigres, but you know they were two 0 down at half time and looked pretty poor, and really only came back because Tigres went down to ten ten players in like the fifty fifth minute. So it's not looking good for for Chivas, and I think it's going to be a, a big story over the next few months. Uh, where else? Uh, so far, again, I mean, only only into the fourth round. Not everybody has played their four matches yet. You've got uh, uh, you got Morelli at the top, as you mentioned. Club America up there, but uh, maybe not necessarily firing on all cylinders yet. Yeah, I think America. Uh, they think they've won the last two now. I think that I think it's going to come together. I think you can make a good argument that the best team in the league, American Tigres, I think, are definitely the. One and two there, so I think America going to be fine. Nacho Ambriz has come in. Um, he lost the first two games of the season, and that coincided with Miguel Herrera uh, getting fired from the Mexican national team position. So there's always whatever happens at America. If if they don't do well for a few games, the specter of Miguel Herrera coming in is is there, and um, so I think that, so that piles a bit of pressure. <laughs> that, is, that is so Mexican. I mean, I like I, I know his he, he won things there. His connections are there. And now he's out of a job, but that that's only going to cause it's only going to cause problems and undermine whatever's happening at, at Club America now. And actually, it, it brings me to a question about Tigres. Obviously, they make the the Copa Libertadores final. Tom, they're one step away, and they don't they're not actually finish the job. Uh, is there going to be a, a letdown, a hangover from the Copa Lib? Um, I think on, on Sunday they they could only draw against uh, Chivas. I think that. There is pressure on them. I think there's real pressure. I think Tuca Ferretti, the manager, he was talked about before that Libertadores final as kind of the Mexican national team coach, like the, the, maybe the strongest or most likely, um, candidate domestically, even though previously he'd said he'd prefer to be a street sweeper than, <laughs> than manage the national team. But, um, but the pressure's on. I mean, they've spent a lot of money. I mean, bringing in Andre Pierre Gignac, who had a realistic shot at making Euro 2016 with France. Um, Aquino in there, Uche, Jurgen Dam. I mean, we're talking multi-million dollar deals to bring those players over to over to Monterrey. So big pressure on Tigres, but they're, they're a fascinating team to watch. Now there's just so much firepower up front, and uh, yeah, they, they failed in the Libertadores. That was the big goal, and now they really have to start moving up the league because at the minute they're in seventeenth and with one point from the first three games. Mm. Uh, certainly, where you're not, we we wouldn't expect you don't expect them to be down there uh, for the for the full uh, length of the Apertura. All right, let's let's talk about um, something that's uh, let's talk about Monterrey. Uh, you can tell me where they are, where the Reals Radars uh, are in the league. Uh, if I don't trip over my tongue, but I'm also interested in um, the Argentine striker they have, Rogelio Funes Mori, a player who actually at one point early in his uh, in his career won MLS Sueño uh, and was actually part of the FC Dallas uh, academy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when he signed for Monterrey in the summer, I feel like on social networks and among Monterrey fans, they were a bit let down um, because, you know, he's not done much recently in Europe. And I think they saw over at Tigres, the, the big city rivals, who just signed Gignac. And it was kind of like they made this comparison of Funes Mori and Gignac. And the Monterrey fans obviously thought they got the worst end of that deal. But in the last over the last week, he's been absolutely amazing. I mean, um, I, I, I watched him last Saturday in the Estadio Jalisco. He scored two unbelievable goals for Monterrey against Atlas. He looks really fit now. He looks sharp. He looks like a real predator in the box, and he's he's just causing all sorts of trouble. And um, and last night he scored a goal and he won a penalty. 
So he's absolutely on fire at the minute. Three goals in uh, in his past two games, and he looks like the real deal. He looks like he's gonna. He just looks lethal. He looks like he's gonna score a lot of goals in the Liga MX. And uh, yeah, I think Monterrey fans are, are pretty happy with how he's done so far. Uh, the um, this is a league again. I mean, he's 24 at this point, as you said. Maybe some some initial disappointment on the part of Monterey fans, uh, because of of not necessarily making a, a mark at Benfica, which is where he went from when he left Argentina River Plate. For anybody who doesn't know the background here, MLS Sueño winner, but not necessarily here, uh, completely officially ended up going <laughs> back to as a native Argentina, which uh, you know, I, I, again, that I don't want to get into the politics of that, Tom, but that, that's certainly a, a hindrance for. Some of the players who come here. Um, some players have gotten around it. Some players have not. He's also got a twin brother who's still at, uh, I think he's a twin at, uh, at River Plate, um, a midfielder, defender, uh, Ramiro. Defender. Yeah. Uh, R- uh, defender Ramiro, who's down at River Plate. Um, so they were here together, as a matter of fact. Uh, it, it, elsewhere in this league, cause again, this is a, as a league noted for having a bunch of, of talented young players. They don't always make the leap. And, and clearly we've seen, um, you know, some of them go to Europe and, and, and flounder a bit and not necessarily find their legs and then end up coming back to Mexico or in the case of Giovanni Dos Santos going to, to MLS. Where's that? Is that next wave coming through? Is Mexico still doing the job? Because that's one of the strengths of this, uh, of this league. It's, it's very interesting, this Jason. It's, um, there's been very little talk of Mexican players this summer moving to Europe. And I think I'm right in saying there's not been one one move so far this summer, which is I think I think concerning because you like to see at least a steady flow, even though you know you don't want all of your young players going to Europe. I mean, you want them to develop here and then and then move on to better things. But yeah, I think there's been quite a lot of silence. I think if there's one Carlos Salcedo, I think still might have an outside chance. There's been there's been European scouts watching him. MLS fans will know him for from Real Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the big issue here at the minute. And that's been picked up on, on in the press is the the amount of naturalized players in terms of naturalized players in terms of coming from South America and the Liga MX rules state that you're allowed five foreign players, but players from South America can can become Mexican citizens within two years. So once they've been here two years, they get Mexican citizenship and then they play as a Mexican, and then they free up a foreigner spot. If that makes sense, I don't know if I'm explaining that properly, but so you had like Monterrey last night. Playing with just with just four Mexicans, and we've seen teams play with seven and eight, mm-hmm. and we've got now fifty-one naturalized players in the league. Now, the thing about that is obviously the young Mexican players coming through. You know, we've talked before, Jason. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that the the Mexican youth system over the last ten years ten years has been it's improved greatly, and it's going to continue to improve. Now, the big debate here at the minute is that are they going to find spaces within the first teams of Liga MX clubs, and I think it's a, it's a fascinating debate, and and it, and honestly, the naturalized phenomenon is absolutely sweeping over compared to a couple of years ago when they changed the rules. It used to be that the a player had to be a Mexican and has, have lived in Mexico for five years to be able to qualify to be a, a domestic player. So it, it's something to watch out for, and I think it, it's a debate that's going to go back and forth. Uh, over the next couple of years. Well, this is a this is also a league that at one point mandated that so many minutes go to players under a certain age, uh, certainly Mexican players developed by these clubs, is, and, and then that rule was pushed aside because it seemed to have done its job. Is there any chance that that sort of thing comes back? It wouldn't surprise me just because of the ferocity of the debate. I mean, we're seeing clubs like Tigres and, and Monterrey who are, who are giving very – they're really not giving opportunities to young players, I mean, at all. 
Um, and I think that's dangerous because they've both got you know good youth programs as well. And and I think I think they're going to have to do something at some point um, because it is it is harming this process of of young players coming through. It's um it's also interesting to consider. I mean, I think for um for, for outsiders, for people who who occasionally partake in this league but don't necessarily pay attention week to week, Tom. Uh, you know, we have this notion that there are big clubs in Mexico. Obviously, we know Club America and, and Chivas de Guadalajara are, are massive clubs. There are a couple others maybe in the second tier. But it's also a league that throws up sort of the odd winner of the league. There just seems to be parity, if you know what I'm saying, in some some measure. And yet, you're, what you're describing at, at Tigres and some of these other clubs is spending to the point of, of a separation, spending to the point of, Maybe there's a a gap a gap growing between not haves and have nots, but certainly big clubs and 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 not so big clubs. I think to a degree, but I think what happens in Mexico is just the system is so, in a way, bizarre. I mean, two seasons every calendar year. Um, you know, so you play seventeen regular season games and then go to a playoff both mm-hmm. seasons. So you've got two playoffs a year. So really, you're getting that top eight and you're already in the playoff. I mean, the top eight out of eighteen clubs. Um, so I think that kind of, even though I think, yeah, we are seeing America, Tigres, especially Monterrey are up there. You know, we're seeing, we're seeing teams now with uh, big spending power putting together really, really good teams. But I think that just because of the way the system is, it's very difficult for them to dominate for any long period of time. And I think that the, the way the pressure is, um, and the demands to win, which, which are, which are unrealistic considering the, the way the league's, you know the the format of the league. It's I mean, if it you know a playoff can throw up absolutely anything, and everybody knows that. But you know the the way that it moves around in terms of the management and stuff. I think that yeah, it's it's it's. It, I think it levels it out. I think the system of the league just does level it out a little. Yeah, it, it it's almost like a small sample size creates chaos, and and that's really what you're talking about here. You only st- only 17 games in the in the season, then you play the playoffs, and we know playoffs can be wacky sometimes. Certainly, we know that from. MLS examples. All right, Tom, this is the portion of the interview where I get all selfish and start talking about American players in Mexico. Um, I'm going to start with Joe Corona. I don't know if we'll go anywhere else. Let's just focus on Joe Corona. Formerly at Cholos, now he moves on to Veracruz. Uh, he's 25. I think that American fans want to see Joe Corona take a, 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 the next step, a new level. And he certainly played well enough at, at Tijuana. How's he doing at Veracruz, and, and what's, uh, what's his future? Very positive. Um, he, he's, I, I'm not sure he was delighted with the move. Um, I, th- I think ideally he would have gone to a, a bigger club, but to be honest, you know, Veracruz has started the season well. He's been starting games. I mean, I think that's the key with Joe Corona. I mean, I think he's had a couple of in- injuries at Tijuana that hampered him when he was just nailing down the starting spot, but I think he started all the games this season now. Uh, Veracruz second in the league, three, three wins out of four games. So he's played in a bit of a deeper role. Um, in central midfield, so yeah, I, I think it's positive for Joe. I think he's, uh, I think, I think the change might do him good as well because obviously he's from the San Diego Tijuana area, and I think you know leaving the friends, leaving that comfort, and moving to Veracruz could be a positive. Um, and we got quick time for William Yarbrough. Absolutely, absolutely. Go he, ahead. He's strugg- he's struggling. He's the opposite end of the scale. He's been dropped by Leon, Leon's uh, manager PC. He came out uh, this time last week. He played in the Copper MX. Uh, 3-3 draw against San Luis. He had an absolute nightmare. Uh, two of the goals were, were completely his fault. Yeah. Um, he's been dropped last weekend and the weekend before. So since coming back from the Gold Cup, he's been overtaken by Christian Martinez 
in uh, Leon's goal. He said after last week's game that it was the worst display that he's ever had under since since arriving at Leon. Mm. So things aren't looking good for him at the minute. And, and you know, it, it seems that, that maybe some of the um, some of the Mexican American players in the in the dual internationals that that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann has picked out are. Are, uh, it's not working for them. Uh, let's go to Alvarado because Ventura Alvarado played a significant role in the, in the U.S. Gold Cup campaign. We know how that ended, Tom. I don't think anybody was convinced by his performance there. People that I know who watch the league much more often than I do will, will, will say that, you know, this is who he is. He's not necessarily, uh, a, a solid defender, a consistent defender, and, and he is, uh, he has some cover at Club America when he does play that he doesn't get with the U.S. national team. Where's what? Where's he at right now in in, in his uh, in his career and in his station at Club America? Yeah, I mean, he came back from the Gold Cup in the first game back. He had he had a disaster as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really had a poor game, and um, I think he scored a, a really bad on goal as well. So, and and last night America won four 0 against Dorados, and he was on the bench. He came on came on in the seventieth minute. Um, yeah, I think he's a young player. I mean, he's still very young. I think that. He's taken a knock for the U.S. national team with the criticism. I think he's been criticised recently for uh, for America as well, obviously with his with his performance there. But I mean, this is a kid who's moved down from Phoenix to Mexico City when he was fifteen. He's been through a lot of stuff already in his career, even though he's what only twenty two. And I think you know it's a, it's a big this 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 period now for him is a is is a massive challenge. I mean, he's got to. Get himself together now and come back and come back a better player. I mean, he's obviously very talented. He's obviously versatile as well. So, for a national team point of view, you know that's that's very good. But the challenge is on now. This is the thing with Ventura Alvarado. The challenge is on. He's come through the Mexican youth team. He's, he's made his mark in the Liga MX. He's then transferred that to the national team. You know, now he's been criticised and now now it's the gauntlet's been thrown down. All right, what's he got? And Klinsman will be watching him very very closely to see how he's reacted to the. Uh, to the negatives over the last couple of months. All right, let's go back to Monterrey very quickly because I believe that's where um, Edgar Castillo is uh, at the moment. Um, a, a player who's been in and out of the U.S. setup, but but certainly doing fairly well, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, Edgar Castillo, you know, he, he jumps around teams. Yeah. Uh, but over the last couple of years, he's a starter. I mean, you know, Atlas brought him in. You know, Atlas are quite a big team now. They're not, the, they're not the team they were a few years ago. Monterrey are a big team. They just opened 51,000 capacity stadium. Um, and, and Castillo starts again. I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's a good Liga MX player. Um, obviously, defensively, there's, there's always going to be those, uh, those question marks, but he is what he is. And he gives you a lot going forward. And there's no shortage of Liga MX clubs that would like to have Edgar Castillo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that on that international stage, it depends what you want from your, from your left back. You know what I mean, and and I think that obviously, Klinsman isn't isn't convinced, and, and other managers before haven't been convinced at international level, and and I think it depends how the team plays as well. I mean, if you, you know, if you play like the US, for example, at the World Cup, you don't really want Castillo as your left back, do you? No. Because you know you want to keep it compact, you want to keep it tight, and then you know hit on the on the counter, and I think that you know Castillo's not the guy for you there. Yeah. Um, a couple of guys. Hey, we'll do last thing here. We'll check on on Tijuana. The couple of guys left there from the U.S. national team. Michael Orozco, uh is there, and um, and Greg Garza is there. Greg Garza, the guy who you know sort of steps in and um, replaces Castillo, and and has had his opportunity with the U.S. And I, I don't know. It's, it hasn't gone poorly, I don't think. And I think he's still one 
worth watching here. What's um and and T Tijuana had had built something there with the American contingent, Tom. I know Hercules Gomez has now left, and and a couple other players have left. But is there still a, a feeling that that Tijuana is a, a good destination for young Mexican American players? Yeah, I mean, I think Greg Garza's now he's he's at Atlas now. He's down oh, here in sorry. Guadalajara. Yeah, he's, on, he's, he's um, right. yeah. yeah, he's he's doing okay. He's obviously come back from the Gold Cup a bit later than the other guys. So, so you know, he needs a, a few weeks to get adapted to the new coach Gustavo Matosas. But in, with regards to Tijuana, Michael Orozco is playing regularly every week, and you know, I think he's a good player, Michael Orozco. I don't think I think he's kind of un, underappreciated by by US fans. I think um, that's true. Yeah, but. Um, I think that with with Tijuana, yeah, a lot of Americans have left. But I think the one, the two to what to watch out for this season are Paul Arriola, yep. who's been coming off the bench, and Alejandro Guido, who's a midfielder who I believe played for the US under seventeens, but so, hasn't yeah. really been considered since then. Mm-hmm. A midfielder reminds me a bit of kind of Michael Carrick. He's got very nice poise on the ball. Um, he's good at picking out his passes. Um, so yeah, th- th- those two have been coming off the bench and. Uh, Playing in the cup matches, so I think that those are the next two to kind of uh, maybe break through from uh, from the American side in Club Tijuana. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, yes, Alex, Alejandro Guido uh, Guido is definitely one to watch, and we know about Paul Ariola, and uh, perhaps this is the season he starts to make the big jump, um, starts scoring a bunch of goals for for Tijuana. We'll see how that goes. Um, it is Tom Marshall. He is at Mexico World Cup. Like I said, he's a multimedia superstar. You should be following him, certainly uh, as you track the Mexican national team coaching search as well as Liga MX. Tom, appreciate the time as always. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Very enjoyable, Jason. Thanks for the invite. And we'll talk to him soon, and uh, we'll talk to you next. Phone lines will be open at 646-832-3909. Go ahead, put it in your phone now. Don't call it yet. I'll tell you when. It's Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Sunday, I'll be calling the Philadelphia Union against Chicago Fire game on Rabble.tv. I'd like to invite you to hear my thoughts and analysis live during the game at Rabble.tv. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to the broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comment sections. If you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Philadelphia against Chicago on Rabble.tv. The race to win the MLS Supporter Shield and to qualify for the playoffs is heating up, so what better way to enjoy Major League Soccer than by playing one of the most unique fantasy soccer games available with Euro Fantasy League? With EuroFantasyLeague.com, don't be confused by the name. You can play MLS games for free, picking your best MLS starting 11 and subs against like-minded MLS fans such as yourself. Plus, you play in the MLS draft game just like your favorite NFL draft games. As the name suggests, you can also play a different fantasy game by selecting from six of the major European leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Liga, the Dutch Eredivisie, and the Portuguese Premier Liga. So imagine picking a team that can feature the likes of Ronaldo, Aguero, Pogba, Slatan, Rooney, and Messi, as well as other world-class footballers with your chance to win prizes, up to $5,000 for the winner of the season prize game. This is your opportunity to show your soccer expertise by playing against other fans from around the U.S. 
Set up your free fantasy soccer game today at EuroFantasyLeague.com. Again, head on over to EuroFantasyLeague.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we are back on Soccer Morning. It is Wednesday. Getting through hump day here. Man, I just watched something. I can't I can't blow up their spot, Trev. I, I can't do it now because of the way we were directed this particular bit of content. But, oh, my God. Uh, American soccer clubs, new and old, Please work on your whole marketing imaging thing because, oh my God, uh, I, I, how do I do this, Trevor? Without, <laughs> I mean, I, I, look, I, I understand that it's difficult to establish an identity and get yourself out there, create a culture around a brand new club, like a, t- a team that just started. That's if you have just started. I'm not, you know, MLS. NESL, USL, and NPS, doesn't matter what, what level we're talking about here. And I know some teams have more resources than others, and that can feed into this. But, guys, I mean, <laughs> this is almost as bad. This thing right here, and I'm like, I got it. We're going to share it at some point. We'll, we'll share it on Twitter at some point. This thing right here is almost as bad as Pablo Maurer's Catman from, <laughs> from FIFA 15 which has apparently blown up across the entire global internet. Our friend Pablo Maurer, uh, MLS.com writer, MLSist on Twitter, one, uh, one third of the trio over open wide for some soccer, uh, a, a, a renaissance man, a man of many talents, one of my favorite people in soccer, swear to God, Pablo Maurer went and stuck a picture of his cat or somebody's cat into the player generator on FIFA 15, I think it was 15, and <laughs> created an, an image that will haunt your nightmares. And now, now, now it's been picked up. I saw it first picked up by Caught Offside this morning, which is just a content aggregator. Uh, one of those, uh, one of those blogs over, overseas that really just pumps out stuff left and right. Then it got caught. Was it BuzzFeed first? I actually, maybe it was BuzzFeed first. And now it's on the Telegraph. Oh, it's oh, it's all over the place. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> let's go to Patrick in uh, in Canada. What's up, uh, what's up, Patrick? I'm in Canada. I'm sorry. That that was rude of me. Uh, good. How you doing, man? I'm well. What's on your mind, Patrick? Uh, you know, just go, just I think me piggybacking off your uh, what you just said uh, just right away was that um this um what your, I want to know what your thoughts are on this uh this story that just came out of the the mirror about LAFC. Yeah, I saw, actually saw it written up at, at Yahoo this morning and shared it on my Twitter account. Um, the, the story basically says, hold on one second, I actually have it together. The, the headline is, MLS franchise, quote, targeting Cristiano Ronaldo's swoop in 2018, unquote. Uh, and then it's a, this is a, basically a write-up of what uh, the Mirror has, that LAFC has an obsession over signing, uh, over signing Ronaldo. And they also have early plans to move for Manchester United striker Wayne Rooney. Now they're obviously LAFC isn't getting started until 2018. They still haven't even gotten shovels in the ground on their on their stadium plan. Uh, they don't have any players 
they don't necessarily even have a, a real brand yet, do they? They haven't even established a, a logo, a, a badge. They don't have a coach. They don't have a technical staff of any kind. And here they are in the rumor mill, apparently going after Cristiano Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney. And you know what? I don't care. I mean, I think it's stupid. I don't think it means much. I think it's something, Patrick, that the mirror could create out of whole cloth, and no one's going to call him on it. LAFC doesn't care because it, it gives them publicity. Um, then the players don't care because, you know what, they're not, they're not interested now. They're going about their business. This is still three years away. So all it does is really just jazz up people prematurely without any real substance to the story. Yeah, I agree because obviously they, they, they don't, they don't, they obviously said that they would announce a crest and all that this fall, but that's still like a few months away. Yeah, they, so. don't, even, they don't even, they don't even really exist as a, as an actual soccer entity yet. They exist as an, as an idea on paper and they have what, t- how many, how many, uh, investors? Like 35, right? <laughs> yeah, a little lot. I mean, we, in fact, they have so many investors that we have a, we have a t-shirt over at backhill.com store that if you want to go get it, it says LAFC investor on it. It's, it's a class, it's a classic piece of, uh, uh, of gear. You should go pick that up, Patrick. You know, again, this is, I guess this is both good for MLS and ridiculous at the same time. Yeah, you know, obviously, I think, I think, I think when they, um, when Henry Wen, uh, I think the main owner, when he uh, went with a town hall in Seattle or Portland, uh, I think uh, Mayor Tom, uh, Mayor Paulson asked him, "Are is he going to sign? Uh, is he interested in signing Cristiano Ronaldo?" And obviously, uh, chuckled and said, uh, "Didn't give an answer to that." So, uh, <laughs> I just love that we that we're now that MLS is now so much a part of the conversation. Yeah, of course, it's some of the older players, and of course, sometimes we get players who are using MLS to bump up. Their offers abroad, but it's, hey, you know, it's fun. I mean, I don't like, I don't like unsourced. I gotta let you go, Patrick. Appreciate the call. I don't like unsourced transfer rumors. I don't like these transfer rumors that you can't find the beginning of the rumor because it doesn't have any real substance. I, I'm kind of, I kind of, they, they, they don't upset me. They're just clickbait and they annoy me on that level. And this is clickbait too, but for some reason I'm sort of fine with it because whatever, it's fun. Giovanni in California, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on, Jason? Not much, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just going about, I want to talk about a few things, man. I want to talk about NYFC and I want to talk about a little bit LAFC, man. Yeah, go for it. You, you want to talk about the, uh, the, the two biggest fragile, never mind. Go ahead. What, what's on your mind, uh, John? <laughs> yeah, man. Me being a new supporter of NYFC, man, I was just, want to talk about how disappointed I am and how the season's going, man. And what, what, what did you expect? Giovanni, Giovanni, quick. What did you really expect? I mean, cause again, this is an expansion team throwing together a bunch of pieces, going out there. There's, okay, you know, the, the amount of turnover that they've had in that team in the year, during the year, does not make for a successful MLS season. It makes for, well, we're just going to try a bunch of crap out. Uh, we're going to bring in some big names. We're going to sell some tickets. We'll have some fun. But you can't really believe that they were going to put together a team that's going to go and win any playoff games. Yeah, I understand that, and I understand it takes time to gel and all these good players. But you know what? With players come, like Lampard, Vi, and Pirlo, uh, you know, and, and you know, I kind of expect a little bit. But you know, I'm still going to be a supporter of them. I'm, I'm still going to you know, support them, even though it's going down this road. But I'm, I'm glad she has these players. I know you can talk about uh, okay. how, do, do, how they're old, and you know, but 
I'm just glad to see I actually get to see him at least once in my lifetime because when uh, when do we ever get to see him when they actually this is true actually yeah. uh, true. or something man your, uh, your phone is killing me Giovanni your, your phone is killing me man yeah. I, I gotta let you go if you want to call me back uh, a little bit later your phone's killing me right now I can't do that six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine and 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 look Giovanni makes we are so cynical as a soccer fan base especially MLS fans who are MLS boosters or MLS supporters or I don't know how you want to say this, people who want to see MLS make progress. Or if you imagine yourself as not necessarily an MLS booster, as just a fan of American soccer, and because MLS has a leading role, you are pushing for MLS to improve itself as quickly as possible. I think that's probably where a lot of people are. It's easy to throw around a lot of criticism about the signing habits of Major League Soccer teams particularly the ones that go out and sign 35, 36, 37-year-old players. But if you can stop being cynical for a second, and you can just be a soccer fan, you can strip away all of that other stuff. If you could strip away any interest in how the business is run and whether or not you care about single entity and how they spend their money and, and, and anything like that, and certainly the, the future, if you can just strip away some of that stuff and recognize what Giovanni does say, that we get to... If you go out to your local MLS team, if you have one, and yeah, you have to have one for this to work, and they have to be playing somebody with these stars, but if you go out and watch your local MLS team, you have the opportunity to see players like Andrea Pirlo, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, uh, Didier Drogba. You have the opportunity to see these players in the flesh playing soccer in competitive matches in front of you. Yeah, they're not in their prime anymore. Uh, this isn't... This isn't Pirlo at the San Siro. This isn't Drogba at Stamford Bridge. This isn't Gerard at, at, An, at Anfield. This isn't Lampard um, at Stamford Bridge either. This is clearly players who have passed the hill of, of older age. But they're still legends. If I had the opportunity to go watch, I don't know, give me... If, if, if somehow... Pete Rose came out of retirement when I was 15 years old, and, he, and I think he would have been like 45 or, or something, maybe even lo- older than that at the time. If he came out of retirement and, and, wanted, and was playing in a competitive game, I'd go see that. Sure, maybe he'd strike out three times, but I just got to watch Pete Rose play. I mean, I'm trying to come up with a decent example here. Maybe there isn't one. You think that if Michael Jordan suited up for one game for the Bulls and went overseas... And, uh, and, and played in, in front of crowds in China or wherever, you think they, that those people wouldn't be thrilled just to see him play? It, or if he signed a contract to play with some rinky-dink outfit in a league that's not nearly as competitive as the NBA, wouldn't they be thrilled just to see him play at this point? I think it's... I, I think that so, sometimes we're just a little too um, cynical about these things. 646-832-3909. We're here on a Wednesday. Good chat with Tom Marshall. If you missed that, you're going to catch the podcast later. I know you will. Uh, what else? I mentioned the backheel.com store. I, I Sometimes I, I talk about that at the end of the show. We do have a, a store over at, at backheel.com. It's backheel.com slash store. That's where the Soccer Morning t-shirts now live, right? right? Right, Trevor? And in many different colors. So if you are interested in a Soccer Morning t-shirt, they're not on the front page for some reason. I don't know where you can find that. The link for the soccer morning T-shirt. Anyway, we've got the uh, we've got the Chuck Blazer Baller T-shirt, which is one of my favorites. I own that one. Don Juan of Saigon. That's uh, Lee Wynn. 
Got a, got a Pirlo t-shirt over there. Trevor's Je- pride and joy. The, the, the Pirlo t-shirt where he's stroking his beard. And the, uh, the, the text reads, is a free kick really free? The LA investor t-shirt, the LAFC investor t-shirt, the New York soccer wars t-shirt, which I saw our friends over at Howler sharing a picture of somebody wearing ahead of the Hudson River Derby. So clearly somebody over there has, uh, has one of those. Got the soccer morning mug. We've got that as well. I, I think Trevor, I think Trevor went ahead and, uh, shared the video. Uh, that I was referencing coming out of the break. It's a little bit of video from, it looks to be the marketing people over at, some of the video, marketing people over at the new FC Cincinnati, which is the latest entrant into USL. They'll play in 2016. They will be coached by John Harks, Captain for Life John Harks. So that's that's kind of cool. I'm not sure why they're FC Cincinnati and not Cincinnati FC, but whatever. Now, again, they're trying to market themselves in Cincinnati. Now, clearly in that town, you've got the Reds, you've got the Bengals. There's there's competing things. I imagine there's some sort of other minor league events around and, and other entertainment options. So if you're FC Cincinnati, you got to get out there. You gotta tell people about your club. You're probably not putting television commercials on. You're probably gonna have to get, this is, I think this is a street team approach, which, you know, hey, or organically speaking, a street team approach is fine. Not organic, it's not organic, it's manipulated, but you know what I mean. Get a bunch of kids together, have them, with, you know, show a little bit of enthusiasm, get out there and, and push the product. Um, there's some chance that they put together a video and, it's like uh, six people of, of the younger persuasion. They're holding up scarves and they're, they're chanting, but it's, it's as if you got a bunch of soccer zombies together and told them to hold up scarves. It's terrible. I, it's ter- I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they should do, but just don't, just don't do what they did. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. I don't want to criticize people for trying. <laughs> I don't want to criticize people for trying. And that's what they're trying. And, all right. So, did you what? What did you share, Trevor? The FC Cincinnati chant. Oh, <laughs> the, the oh man, I can't stop laughing. Ah, uh, the Seven Nation Army FC Cincinnati chant. Is that what you shared? <laughs> or is it uh, something FCC? They're they're going with FCC. Which makes them sound like they're cheering on the Federal Communications Commission. <laughs> that's, that's not good. It's not good, guys. Uh, 646-832-3909. Got a couple of minutes left here. If you, uh, if you want to get in, this is your opportunity. It's the last call for phone calls on a Wednesday. And yes, thank you very much, Robert. You are reminding me that I meant to talk about U.S. Open Cup in this time. And I forgot. So, Robert, U.S. Open Cup, what's going on? Hey, yeah, I'm going to, uh, yeah, you got uh, both semifinals, and I want to talk about, uh, you know, I'm going to watch that, uh, the KC uh, RSL, because it seems it could be, uh, seems like it's going to get, uh, you know, very intense and passionate. Yeah, those are you know, two, because those, two, those two are, teams don't like each other. They, they have a rivalry that should, that should feed into this. Now, I did see something this morning uh, that said that that game won't be on Television? Is it going to be streamed? Um, it won't be on TV. Will it be streamed? 
Yeah, it's going to be on YouTube. And that's, that's kind of what I wanted to call about. Since, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I called, like, last round, I said, like, one way to get the, you know, the creator uh, awareness is by, you know, ranking the teams. And I was, like, looking at the, the if you go by the supporters, you're standing, you have them, uh, you have uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City, which are number five, and then they're going against RSL, and they're, like, number 12. So, you, you know, you know, like, in college basketball, when you rank uh, teams, like, five I, against 12. Yeah, I don't know that that would carry over necessarily. And, and look, first of all, Robert, if you did use that ranking system, which I actually think is a cool idea on some level, you have to rank everybody before this, the competition even starts. So I'm not sure where Sporting would have ranked based on – it would have to be on last year's standings. It would be on based on last year's finish, not on this year. But But I see what you're saying. Yeah, well, I, I just, I, I, I know that that's just an, uh, a suggestion. I'm not saying it should be a fact, but I'm just saying that's one way you create uh, awareness because, like, you know when you watch the basketball, uh, college basketball, you only have to put the name. You can just say number one against number 16, and then if 16 wins, people go crazy. Like the, the whole March Madness thing. But I'm going to watch uh, the, the FKC RSL one because I think it's going to be crazy. And I don't want to get your opinion. Who you got in those two semis? Uh, I've got I've got Sporting. I mean, I know that uh, that, that game's in in Kansas City, so I got Sporting, and I think I've got. I'll take the Fire. I mean, the Union are at home, but I think I'll take the Fire in that game. And, okay. Well, well yeah, because I, I will. It's going to be very interesting for those two teams because uh, they may not make the playoffs, so they're going to fight for this, and it's going to be very, very great. So I'm just going to be. Tune in tonight. Are you going to watch it by chance? If I can get it, if I can get myself, yeah, if I can uh, find some time, I'll certainly will. I got a lot of things to do uh, tonight, but uh, U.S. Open Cup needs our attention if it's ever going to become uh, a thing. So I, uh, you know, we got to got to look. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the call, Robert. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, there goes Robert in L.A. Uh, U.S. Open Cup tonight. As I said, no television for for RSL and Sporting. I don't know if the other games on te- on TV. There's a full write up of the television situation for this competition at uh, KansasCity.com, the Kansas City Star by Sam McDowell. Um, Wednesday night, Sporting Kansas City will play host to its biggest rival, Real Salt Lake, in the semifinals of a 91-team knockout tournament, blah, 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 but it won't be on TV. It's, unlo- it's unlikely to draw a sellout inside a venue that has been filled to capacity for the past 64 MLS matches. Uh, and then there's a quote from Peter Vermees. I can't speak for everybody else, but it's a huge competition, especially when you have all the different versions Sorry, divisions t- uh, vying for the opportunity to play against a team in MLS. It's an incredible competition from that perspective because it doesn't exist in other sports in this country. And it, it talk, you know, it really goes into the story really goes into some of the disconnect between trying to explain how this competition works to people outside of the uh, usual sports circles and, uh, and, and obviously outside of soccer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it is a bit of a travesty. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to our boy, uh, Eddie up in Brooklyn wants to talk about Paulo Wanchope. Uh, hey, Eddie. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Did you did you see the video from last night? I did, and I I, I hit it off the top, Eddie. And I I'm not sh- exactly sure what he did and if he did anything wrong. I'm not I'm not saying that he's not culpable on some level. You can't react like that. With there was something about there was a push there at the beginning. I don't know what that was. I don't know if somebody said that was a kid. If he's pushing kids, that's a problem. But he also got wailed on. Well, I, if, if, let me let me let me debunk a couple of things that people are throwing out there. Number one, he didn't push a kid. Uh, what happened was he was trying to open the gate rather violently, and as he's doing so, that little short security guard pushes him. Okay. And as he's starting to go down the steps, there's a little kid right in front of the steps. 
So as he's catching his balance, he, you know, he extends out, which is human nature. Just so happens to touch the kid. So he's okay. actually pushed into the kid by the short security guard. Got it. And this is where he went wrong. Rather than defuse the situation, he just straight cold cocks the dude. Yeah. Gets pushed back. The dude is kind of taking it back a little bit. And then he just starts wailing on one chop. And one chop is trying to put him in a headlock to try and calm him down. And then that's when, you know, security guards and players and everybody starts coming in. And I think the one telling image, I don't know if everybody saw the image afterwards because the video kind of gets cut off. You can actually see one chop like just complete handful of crotch, like security card crotch, <laughs> just grabbing on for dear life. And that's, uh, that's that it pretty much got separated. All right. So what, what happens, Eddie? What happens? I mean, everybody keeps throwing that, that, that false equivalence of, well, Miguel Herrera punched the journalist. So he got fired. So it should be the same thing for one shop. And I don't think you can actually equate the two because it's two different situations. I think one was Miguel Herrera actually actively looking for trouble one and two i think mexico was looking for any reason to throw out one shot i don't think that costa rica is in that same position i think that the fact that they're taking their time right now and they're kind of investigating the situation and trying to get all facts put together before making the decision kind of shows the hesitance to want to get rid of one shot because the guy is a you know he's a he's an he's icon of costa rica it's yeah. the greatest player we've ever produced yeah and he's loved by the people so i don't think anybody is actually in a rush to let go of them actually brought in um, Alec Hollins' old coach to kind of be his assistant to kind of help him more with the tactic part of the game because much up, you know, for, for all his great work that he's done with Costa Rica, bringing in younger players, he does lack some areas uh, managing the game, and that's where uh, Machio was supposed to help. So I think that Costa Rica wanted to do that moving forward, this kind of with the pressure from everybody else trying to make them reconsider it. But I, I honestly, I wouldn't fire him. So you can't act like that, but, I mean, it's not as bad as people would trying to paint it out to be okay fair enough um you know i i, I don't like I, I said this about the the herrera uh video as well i didn't see anything there now i don't I don't think he got fired based on the video he got fired based on almost some other stuff there probably was some politics involved uh, he did something he shouldn't done but i mean as as viewers of this as as third parties sitting over here thousands of miles away from where this thing's this thing happened I, I don't know enough of the context. I mean, you, you've explained some of it, Eddie. I imagine there's a lot of reports out there. I imagine there's a lot of conflicting information. I, again, it looks bad, but I don't know if that automatically means he should lose his job. So I, I guess I'm okay with the, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Costa Rica fan. I'm not Costa Rican. I really not, I have no, you know, I have a, a horse in this race. So whatever they decide to do, ultimately it's about whether or not when Trump is bringing a negative image to the Costa Rican national team, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think people, everybody's, everybody's quick to fire everybody. You know, it's, it's easy to fire somebody when it's not your job. I think, you know, it's just everybody's first inclination. Like, that's what we have to do. But in this case, I, you know, take the facts, get some perspective, and then go from there. Yeah, okay. All right, man. Appreciate the phone call. You got anything else you want to talk about before we let you go? No, that's pretty much it. All right, there goes Eddie in Brooklyn. Uh, follow, Hall of Fame caller Eddie in Brooklyn. He's got a shirt number. I don't have it in front of me. I've been slacking on the shirt numbers. Maybe it's time to give one out. The next, uh, the next, you know, again, this, the standard is you gotta be, you gotta be, um, a fantastic, legitimate contributor to the show every time, every time you call in. You gotta be regular caller. Uh, and, uh, that's it. That's pretty much it. And then it's up to my discretion whether or not you get a soccer morning shirt number. I need to fill them all out. I need at least a starting 11. I haven't done that yet. I'm way behind. I'm way behind. And I'm getting criticized for when I talked about the U.S. Open Cup because, yeah. All right. Yeah, don't listen to the show, dude. Hey, Ross, don't listen to the show. All right, just 
uh, I'm not dealing with that today. So thanks. All right, that's enough of that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Uh, we'll talk about the U.S. Open Cup semifinals tomorrow after the uh, the semifinals are over. We'll have a couple of finalists. Uh, finalists. We'll know where that final will be held. Um, again, no television, but I believe that you'll be able to get those games on um, on YouTube. And uh, we'll see exactly what happens with uh, Sporting and RSL, two teams who really don't like each other, playing in the semifinals of this competition. And RSL prioritizing this. That was a interesting move by Jeff Kassar. We'll see if it pays off. All right, anything else? I'm, I'm, I'm done, right? I'm out of here. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll talk to you on uh, Thursday. Thanks to Tom Marshall for joining us on Soccer Morning. We'll talk to you over at Sirius XMFC in about 50 minutes later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.